Hello, everybody, and welcome to All the Years, a podcast where we relive some of the greatest March moments with the very people who created them. If you missed last week's episode, go back and listen to Vermont legend TJ Sorrentine discuss his three-pointer from the parking lot against Syracuse in the 2005 NCAA Men's Tournament. Also, if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash allthejearspod to sign up. Shout out to our Final Four and National Championship level patrons, Chris, Gail, and Andrew. Today, we jump over to the women's side with former North Carolina Tar Heel Charlotte Smith. Smith hit one of the most famous shots in the history of women's basketball, a buzzer beater in the 1994 National Championship game to lift the Tar Heels over Louisiana Tech. Her shot helped bring visibility to the women's game and established Sylvia Hatchell as one of the game's great coaches. Smith takes me through that NCAA tournament, the memorable title game, and brings us up to date on what's going on with her and the program she currently leads, the Elon Phoenix. As always, if you haven't subscribed to All the Years already, please be sure to do so. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If there are any other platforms you would like to see us join, please let me know. Rate and review us as well if you so choose. And for now, sit back and enjoy Charlotte Smith reliving her one shining moment. I guess we'll start at the very beginning here uh, for you. When you came to North Carolina, uh, you were coming to a team that had just finished 12 and 16 um, and last in the ACC. Now, the summer before your freshman year, was there any indication that that tide was turning? Because that was the beginning of a pretty good run uh, for the program, starting with your freshman year. Well, I was you know, not sure what direction the program would take because I wasn't, you know, completely familiar with everybody that they were bringing in at that time. Um, But I know that Coach Hatchell had a great vision for the program and the direction that she wanted for the program to head. And for me as a player, I've never backed away from a challenge. You know, it did not matter to me that UNC was, was at that time at the bottom of the barrel, as we say it. Um, because we just had a vision and believed that we could turn that program around and become a national championship contending team. Yeah, and it wasn't like a gradual progression even. I mean, your freshman year, you ended up winning 22 games, went to the NCAA tournament, went back to the tournament again in in 93, and then, of course, you had the championship in 94. But what, what did you guys learn as a team from those first two tournament runs, your first two years? that there were some really good teams out there and that in order for us to to be a national championship team, we would have to get stronger. Um, you know, we, I remember facing uh, Miami with Francis Savage and Vicky, Vicky Plowden, I think was her name. And, and they were just so big and so strong. And then we faced Tennessee and they were big and strong. So we made a serious commitment to the weight room, We made a serious commitment to just doing all the little things, taking care of our bodies, going to sleep, uh, putting in the extra work. So, you know, once we got a taste of success, we wanted to dig deeper. Yeah, it's easy, I guess, in in retrospect to to look back on it and say, you know, we we had to get stronger, focused on taking care of ourselves. But for a group of college students to do that. It's, it's probably not as easy, especially in the off season when you, you're not being hounded by a coach uh, 24 seven, who, 
who were the leaders on that team that really stayed on top of you guys? Well, you know, the great thing about our team was that we were basketball junkies. We held our own selves accountable and we policed ourselves. We just really loved basketball. So back then you could always, always find us in Will and Jim playing pickup. And I think that's one of the the ways you get better is that you play pickup with guys. And so even during the season and in the off season, we spent a lot of our time in Will and Jim playing against the guys. And I think that helped to get us better. And, but some of our leaders, you know, definitely on the team at that time was Tanya Sampson and Sylvia Crawley um, and Carrie McKee. Uh, another big difference, I think, from uh, your first two years to your junior years, you had a freshman on that team, uh, Marion Jones, who made an immediate impact, came in for you guys that season. What kind of impact did she have right off the bat for you? Well, she was a competitor. And so that just added an extra edge of competitiveness. And of course, she had blazing speed. So that made us more of an up-tempo team because your point guard is kind of the engine that makes uh, everything go. And so we just played at a different pace, a different speed with Marion Marion at the helm. Is it easy to just kind of flip that switch and suddenly become an up-tempo team because you're a freshman point guard now? Yeah, because we like we like to get out and run. And so it was not that much of a transition for us. You know, I think the biggest thing in having a freshman point guard was that, you know, she was really raw, but her athleticism made up for a lot of her flaws and mistakes. And, you know, we had a great point guard in Jill Sudrath as well, who did a really good job of helping to develop Jill both mentally um, and the physical aspect of the game. I um I, I read in an interview somewhere you you called that '94 team almost like a Cinderella at one point. You guys were also a, a three seed, so you you were pretty good. But was there something that people were underestimating? There was, and I thought we were a five seed. Maybe I'm my memory's not serving me correct. Maybe we're a three seed, um, but we we felt slighted because at that point. We had only lost to one team in our conference. We had two losses, and that was both of them were to Virginia. And we went on to win the ACC tournament and beat them. So we were expecting to get a number one seed. So we felt slighted, and we played with a chip on our shoulder. And to some, we may have been considered a Cinderella story because, you know, we didn't have all the McDonald's All-Americans. We just had a lot of blue-collar hard-nosed, hard-working players um, that got the job done. And, and, and one thing you guys did do in, in that NCAA tournament, you beat the top two seeds in your region, uh, Vanderbilt and UConn. But was that kind of a, a validation for you guys that you, you know you had taken that step to be you know an elite team? Most definitely. I mean, it was huge for us to beat both Vanderbilt and UConn. So I think that just solidified who we felt like we were in terms of the level of respect that we deserved and feeling like we should have been a number one seed. Yeah. And, and, you know, just knowing the way that you guys had progressed over your career and where the program was that year prior, was there anything kind of extra about 
um, being able to get to a final four for, for the seniors on that team? It was because Sylvia and Tanya Sampson, you know, those were players that were brought in that were um, projected to turn the tide for the program. And I felt like they did a both, they both did a great job of impacting the team both on and off the court. And, you know, it, it, it did seem like, you know, one through five, you were a pretty balanced team. What, what were your biggest strengths? Chemistry. You know, I think it's important to have great chemistry and we loved each other on the court and off the court. Uh, we enjoyed being around each other. We pushed each other. We had fun together. And I think that's a big thing, too, is just making sure that there's some element of fun in all of this. Um, but we just really pushed each other to be the best versions of ourselves. Um, now, w- when you get to that that championship game, you're playing Louisiana Tech. Um, you know, you, you guys were the higher seed. You wore the home jerseys, but Louisiana Tech had already had a couple of championships. They were maybe a more established program. Was it intimidating going up against a program like that? It wasn't because we played in a very competitive league. Right. The ACC was a very competitive league. Dawn Staley, you know, the Virginia Cavaliers had been to the Final Four several times, maybe three times, back to back to back. Uh, so we played against some of the best teams we felt like in the nation. And then having gone through um, Vanderbilt and Connecticut, you know, there was there was no fear in our hearts. Now that that game starts, and it seems like in, in the blink of an eye. Uh, Jones picks up three fouls and now she's on the bench. What's your mindset when your point guard is taken out of a game that early? Well, we knew that we were experienced enough and talented enough for someone else to step in and fill in her shoes. So um, Tanya Sampson, you know, she could play one through five if she wanted to. So I didn't feel like we lost a beat at that point. And, you know, Marion stayed mentally and emotionally engaged. And so that was important for our team as well. Now it it wasn't the prettiest first half, but you guys end up going into the locker room tied. Um, Given, you know, you had struggled. You only scored one point in that first half. Marion was on the bench. Were you happy where you were? What was the mindset at halftime of that game? Well, my mindset was just contribute in any kind of way possible because at that point I could not throw the ball in the ocean the first half. Um, I, I just could not find a way to score. And so I wanted to make sure that I was doing a tremendous job of defending and rebounding the basketball. So those were the things that I felt like I could control. You know, we always talk to players about controlling the controllables. And then, you know, at halftime, you know, Coach Hatchell talked to me about just be confident and that the shots will fall. And, you know, I ended up with about 20, maybe 22 points in the second half. Yeah, so that, that kind of leads to what I was going to ask you next. Is you you t- tied a tournament record in that game with 23 rebounds. And that's, I mean, you, you obviously, you had some size, but what what is your rebounding philosophy, I guess? just go get it. You know, you have to be relentless. Um, Of course, there is some strategy in terms of like where the shot is taken in terms of the trajectory of the ball. 
but you just have to be relentless and go in there and get it. And then, you know, it also helped that I did have a really good vertical leap. So that afforded me an opportunity to get some rebounds that other people may not be able to get. And and now that you're a coach, how much of that is actually teachable and how much is just work and, and instinct? I think a lot of it is just uh, your DNA, <laughs> your mentality, and it's hard to teach it. You know, I think you have to recruit it. You know, you just have to recruit somebody who has that go-getter mentality. Is that one of the main things you look for when you're recruiting? I assume so, right? That Yes, that's definitely what we're looking for currently is just um, someone who has a knack and a nose for the ball and just wants to get in there and mix it up, you know, because a lot of people don't like contact. So, you know, rebounding also requires for you to, number one, fight for position because if people are blocking you out, you got to fight to get inside position. Um, so you got to embrace the contact and you just have to want to get in there and get it done. In in that second half, uh, Pam Thomas hits the jumper with 15 seconds left, puts Louisiana Tech up by two. As that shot goes through the net, what are you thinking? I was thinking, wow, that was a tough shot. And we have it was. a way to position ourselves to regain the lead. That shot was deflating. It took a little bit of the wind out of ourselves. And so Tanya Sampson took the ball the length of the floor. We were not able to get off a good look. Um, and so I just remember diving on the floor for the rebound. Marion Jones and I were down on the floor for the loose ball. It ends up being tied up. And I, the first thing that I did was that I looked up at the clock and I saw 0.7 seconds left on the, on the clock. And my heart sank because I thought immediately in that moment that it was over because like, what could you possibly do with seven tenths of a second on the clock? Right. So this all kind of seems to unfold pretty fast from when Thomas makes her shot to when there's 0.7 seconds left. Uh, was there any thinking about taking a timeout after that shot or the, the ball just seems to get up the court really fast and, and then kind of chaos ensues? I don't think at that point that Coach Hatcho was thinking, call a timeout. I felt like she had enough confidence in Tanya Sampson as a one-on-one player to be able to bring it up the length of the court and try to create something and make something happen. Um, so I think she just kind of let the game play out. So you you said a second ago, you, you look up, you see 0.7 seconds on the clock and it's it's deflating. You think, it's over. What happens in that first time out there that's taken? Did uh, What does Coach Hatchell say to kind of uh, make, make you feel a little bit more confident or kind of reset your mindset at all? Well, she drew up a familiar play that we had executed several times before where we get a good look at a lob over the top because Sylvia Crawley was 6'5". But obviously, Louisiana Tech had done a good job of scouting that play. And so we were unable to inbound it. So Stephanie Lawrence makes a heads-up play and calls timeout again. 
And then in that moment, that's when Coach Hatchell decides to go for the win and not the tie. Yeah. What? Why? Why did she change change her mind on on that? Was it just because that first play was was so well defended, or or, or what? We just like to call it divine inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why she went for the win, but so so then. Can you describe that final play as, as it was drawn up? What what was it supposed to look like? Um, well, it was, well, at that time I had completely forgotten, honestly, because I was so nervous. <laughs> I was so nervous in the huddle when she said I was going to shoot the shot that I completely forgot to play. So when I went back out on the floor, I asked Sylvia Crawley, my teammate, what play are we running? And so she walked me through it. And it was just basically a box set, a diagonal screen, the screener, you know, just one of the oldest plays in the book. And, you know, fortunately for us, Tanya Sampson was such an amazing player that Louisiana Tech probably assumed that we were going for the tie and not the win. And if the ball was going to go to anybody, that it was going to Tanya Sampson. So when I set the diagonal screen for her, three defenders went with her. And so it left me wide open for the shot. Yeah. So there was nobody near you, but maybe it was just the somewhat grainy 1994 footage here, but it, this looks like it's a tough pass for Lawrence to make out of bounds, kind of cross court over a few people, not, you know, trying not to hit the hoop as it looked like it went right under there. What was that as difficult a a pass as it looked? Cause it, it hit you right in stride. That is a difficult pass. I mean, to be able to have made that pass under those circumstances, man, I could only imagine if Louisiana Tech would have had a defender on the ball, it probably would have never gotten to me. Um, But fortunately for us, they had no one on the ball. So as difficult as that pass was, not having someone on the ball made it a little bit more easier to navigate that pass. Yeah. Now, you you said you don't remember seeing the ball go in. You just kind of remember being mobbed by people after it is that true I closed my well after I shot it I just remember saying please Lord let it go in and it felt like an eternity watching the ball sail in the air and I remember closing my eyes just for a, a split second just saying please let it go in um and then, you know, when I open my eyes back up, it's just like, wow, I see Sylvia Crawley jumping up like <laughs> in the cheerleading yeah. jumping jacks. And so I knew it was a, a hit from there. It, is it one of those shots that felt good out of your hands? Like a, a lot of shooters will say, I, I knew it was going in as soon as it left my hands. Is that how you felt? It felt good. The release felt really good. Now, I wasn't sure, but it felt good. So, you know, the the shot goes in, you get mobbed by everyone around you. What, what do you remember from that post-game celebration? I remember my mom in the stands with the pom-pom, our blue and white pom-pom. Um, I remember Coach Calder's mom in the stands and my dad and Sylvia Crawley, her parents, they were all in the stands together. I remember blowing kisses to my mom in the stands. Um, the cheerleader, he was one of the first ones that ran out on the floor yeah. <laughs> um, as part of the mob. But just, I remember Marion on hugging me. 
and smiling. Um, but I just remember like really trying to ball up and protect myself because I think Tanya Sampson was on top of me too. Uh, and just crying because it was just, I was just so overjoyed. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, at that point in, in 1994, the championship game was played in the afternoon, right? Yes. Yes. So do you end up going back to campus later that night? We did. And, you know, the men had just won the national championship in 93. Vividly remembered how Franklin Street was so live and bonfires and people everywhere. And so we were thinking, okay, when we drive back, we're going to go down Franklin Street. And I know Franklin Street is going to be lit as the young people (laughs) did. And we got to Franklin Street and there was nobody there. <laughs> oh, that was that deflating? It was very deflating. Um, but was when you actually do get back, was was there a good celebration? Was there were there people waiting for you guys after? Even if not on Franklin Street? Yeah, there were people at our gym at Carmichael. So that was that was gratifying to see some a few fans there at Carmichael waiting for us when we return. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all, all these years later, your shot, that game, it, it it's remembered as, as one of the great moments in, in the history of the women's tournament. Did, did it have an effect on basketball at the university of North Carolina? I think it did. You know, it put a level of respect on our program attendance increased. Um, and I think it did a lot for basketball, women's basketball nationally. I think that was one of the first big tournaments that made um, just attendance pick up in the final four. Mm-hmm. And, and it brought a lot of attention to uh, NCAA women's basketball. Yeah. Did, does that kind of, you know, to 20 something years later, does that give you a different, sort of appreciation for exactly what you did you know sure you you hit one one shot but it it ends up having such an effect on on your sport most definitely you know when I went to the final four to watch Notre Dame when they hit the game winning shot for their national championship that just brought me back to life and made me feel the magnitude of what a shot like that does just from a different perspective, not being the one taking it, but being one of the fans, you know, in the stands and actually witnessing that it's a um, surreal moment. You know, after your playing days were over, you were an assistant coach at North Carolina for a little bit. Uh, What was that like getting a chance to go back to your alma mater and, you know, coach alongside the, the person who coached you? It was a great journey, a great learning experience to have an opportunity to learn from a Hall of Fame coach and Coach Andrew Calder as well. And it was just one of those opportunities where I wanted to be able to go back and give back because the game had given me so much and taught me so many life lessons. And I was afforded the opportunity to to play professionally in the States. So I wanted those same opportunities for some of those players there. And I felt like I had, you know, just a firsthand experience in being able to uh, equip them to prepare for that next level. For sure. And, you know, not only in in your time at North Carolina, but even at at Elon as well, do do your players, 
are are they aware of what it of that shot of what you're famous for? How often does that sort of come up maybe on the recruiting trail? They're aware of it, um, but we don't really talk about it a whole lot. I'm, I'm sure they're very familiar with a lot of my accomplishments, but I don't necessarily talk about it a lot. One thing that you have talked a lot about in the past is, is the influence that, that Coach Hatchell had on you. How How has she shaped you as a head coach? She's taught me so much, you know, just in terms of being a great person. And when I think about all of her quotes that I've heard year after year as a player, both as a player and an assistant coach, it has made me understand and embrace the importance of developing character and caring for people. Um, And especially in a time like this, it makes you realize like what's most important. And that's the relationships and that which you're pouring into young people that will help develop them for a lifetime of success and not just for four years of basketball. Yeah, I I, guess unrelated to, you know, the shot, the championship, all that, it's been a weird last month or so in, well, in the world, but in sports as well. How, How has your job changed as a head coach really since the season ended? Well, you know, normally during this time, we would have been in individual workouts with the team, trying to help develop them to get better for the upcoming season. Um, Would have been at the final four, participated in a lot of professional development opportunities and, you know, potentially watching one of the best final fours in the history of NCAAs. Um, So, you know, it's changed a lot of things drastically. But the one thing that we can be grateful for is that we're alive and that we're healthy. And, you know, my prayers go out to all of those who are suffering from COVID-19. Absolutely. Well, I want to I want to thank you for doing this and for sticking with me through the uh, the technical problems. I appreciate it. No problem. Once again, a big thank you to Charlotte Smith for joining us. If you want to hear content from this podcast that did not make the final cut, Support us on Patreon for some deleted extras and additional perks. Again, that is patreon.com slash alltheyearspod. Also remember to subscribe, rate, and review the pod if you have a moment. And either way, we hope to see you back here next week when we welcome someone who made one of the most famous shots in the history of the NCAA men's tournament, Valparaiso legend and Grand Canyon head coach Bryce Drew. Until then, have a good week.